Welcome back. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Our guest today, Robert Schwartz, author of Courageous Souls. Now, you were um, talking about the first time you went to a channel and they knew things that you couldn't really explain how they knew. That's right. They they knew about a prayer I had said five years earlier. I had even forgotten about it myself. And it was said uh, at a time when I was going through a difficult period in my life. I was home alone one evening, and I, I said to God, and I said that I just thought this. I didn't say it out loud. I said, uh, dear God, I can't get through this alone. Please send help. Well, they knew about this prayer. And, and they nobody said else me, did? What's that? Nobody else did? No, I had never shared this with anyone. Don't you love it? Oh, it was amazing. And, and then they, <laughs> they said to me, your prayer was answered, by which they meant that additional non-physical guidance had been sent to me. And so, as you can imagine, when you're talking to beings who know literally everything about you, it gives them a lot of credibility. Now, you so, tend to be kind of an intellectual, kind of a non-spiritual guide prior to this, right? Intellectual, yes. Non-spiritual, no. I think I, I've always been very spiritual. But uh, on the analytic side, you know, I want to yes. understand how things work. Yes, that oozes out of your cells, Rob. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm, it's interesting that we're talking about pre-birth planning because I, the way I conceive of my pre-birth plan is that I'm I'm sort of a bridge between the mainstream community and what might be called the, the New Age community. Yeah, I see in, you that way. Yeah, in, in the sense that I'm essentially a, a logic-based, analytic person and and yet I, I am spiritual, and I think that I, I certainly after this research, I have some understanding of spiritual concepts. And so yes. I can I think I'm one of many people who has a pre-birth plan to bring these concepts into the mainstream. So I bet as they were telling you about your prayer, you sat right back and went, wow, anything else you'd like me to know? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was just astounded by, by all of that. and. And so later in the session, you know, when they said you planned your challenges before you were born, I mean, if they had not known everything about me the way they did, I would have just laughed and said, well, that's ridiculous. But given that they knew about that prayer and a lot they of other things. They had some leverage, didn't they? Yeah, they had a little bit of leverage. <laughs> now listen up, Sonny. <laughs> I'll tell you, Rob, a number of years ago, I was very lost in my ego. And for a short period, like two months' time, there was one guy that made it his total business to knock my ego off its keister. So what he did is he would listen to my thoughts. And I'm telling you, I hadn't said these to anyone. And he would channel through this gal that I was around at the time, and he would repeat my thoughts to me. And he would say, Terrible. You know you had this thought today? And I go, Yes. He says, This is pure arrogance. Now, I hadn't told anybody, but he knew. And I'll tell you, that leveled me. I just went, you know, and you know, it's true for anybody out there. None of our thoughts are hidden. I mean, any, anybody who thinks, well, I'm just thinking it. I didn't say it, so it doesn't really count. You're barking up the wrong tree. Oh, no, they, they, they hear your thoughts. They, they know everything. They I, I had a, another experience, and this is a little bit of a personal story, but I, I don't mind sharing it. When when I started to do the research for Courageous Souls, we'll, we'll you know, work on I, our judgments. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go ahead. Well, go ahead. Well, when I started doing the research for the book, you know, I basically left the corporate sector and I was doing this full time, and uh, I wasn't earning money anymore, and so I was racking up a lot of credit card debt. And I told myself only in my private thoughts. I didn't discuss this with anyone, but. 
privately I thought to myself, well, this is okay because eventually I, I will write a book and it will come out and then I can use the income from the book to pay off this credit card debt I'm collecting. But I never shared this with anyone. So I was in this channeling session with uh, with a channel and the, the consciousness that was coming through was answering all of these questions that I was asking about spiritual and metaphysical concepts. And I was not going to ask any questions about, you know, my my financial situation because to me that was very private uh, and, and I didn't even want to share it with the channel. So we get to the end of the channeling session and then the channel consciousness says to me, and oh, by the way, your thinking is correct. You will be able to use the income from your book sales to pay <laughs> off your credit card debt. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I was going to pick an Indian name for you, would you like to hear what it would be? Sure. Bright Path. Ah, I like that. So tell me, uh, Rob, what uh, what do you think about this phrase, the first shall become last and the last shall become first? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I think the, it sounds to me like that refers to the equality of all of us. Uh, you know, in the, in the third dimensional world, certain people are seen as greater than others because they are smarter or they have more talent or they can earn more money. Sure, that's right. But but in spirit's eyes, we're all equal, and and I think that could be one interpretation of that. Yeah. Well, I think you got half of half of it. What I'm trying to get at, you know. The the last the first shall become last the last shall become first, so the first are going after you know look what I did here and I won this award there and I'm so successful I I may have trampled over a few people but you know I'm very oh, well. very successful, <laughs> and when they're when they're actually being judged in their soul or let's say they're being judged for the next round of karma or karmic lessons. They're sort of in last place for how much they push themselves around or their egos uh, flourished. Whereas the ones that humbled down and they humbled behind others and they served more, uh, they shall become first means that their virtue got them a higher standing in the future. Well, you know, when, when the lifetime is over and we have our life review, we're not going to care what we did for a living or how much money we made or how much acclaim we had, none of that will be important. We will care about uh, did we make loving decisions. And, or and did so, we contrib- contribute and uh, serve the greater good of all, and did we make a lasting impression of helping people and making a difference in the planet? Which is Well, that, that, that's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So I'd like to go to one of the stories in your book about... Um, Before you do that, you're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions, airing Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today, Robert Schwartz, Courageous Souls. He can be found at CourageousSouls.com. Uh, do we plan our life challenges before birth? So this was um, about a um, severe crippling that happened. A a man and a wife, uh, this happened to the man. They had two sons. And um, he, uh, one time, he's just getting ready to pass his last, uh, I think he just passed his last exam to become a chef. And so he's just about to step into that career in that world. And he's goofing around and jumps into the pool. The pool's too shallow, or he goes straight through somehow, and 
hits his head hard on the bottom and he he is paralyzed from the part of his arms and the upper chest on down the rest of his body and it just changes his life I got that capsulized pretty good there. Yes, we're we're talking about uh, his name is Jason Thurston. He's in his mid thirties, lives in New York State, and uh, he's one of two stories in in the chapter on the pre-birth planning of accidents. The other one being the woman we discussed a moment ago who planned to be in a bomb explosion. Yes. So his wife is Davina. He has two sons, Jaron and Garrett. Garrett's called Fox's nickname. So here here's the read on it. This is my read. Um, and I, I'm, I just want to do this so people can understand the underpinning dynamics of why things happen. And um, if you would, um, Rob, I think Davina could use the information on this about her. Okay. So if you feel right about it, please forward it. Okay. So we have Jason Thurston, the husband, and when I look at him, I close my eyes and I see a Roger Dangerfield kind of loose, haphazard, life's a joke. And he gets, he's just qualifying for a new job, and what that's going to do is break that pattern of loose, haphazard, life's a joke. It's going to anchor him down, but he doesn't want to be pinned down, so he gets this accident. And now he's still loose and free, but limited, you know, and so he was up against it, and things were about to change for that pattern. Too loose, too haphazard, life's a joke everywhere. Um, but his ego didn't turn on it. So, you know, he's more like a son needing a father, and he's not so much like a father is how, how I read him. Now, his wife, Davina, she tries to get things on track. She tries to get him on track, but he keeps joking around and destabilizing things and, and destabilizing her. She's in love with him. She's attached to him. She wants to stay with him, but he's very, very frustrating, and, and her lesson isn't so much patience. It's to go beyond her attachment, and unless he grows up, she should move on. And, you know, that's pretty extreme, but, it, you know, I looked at it a number of different ways, and it comes out the same every time I see it. She is supposed to leave him if he doesn't grow up, and, and she is lovely for him, and she's like the carrot incentive for him to grow up. And so she needs to make a stand and say, we need to change your boyish, childish behavior, or I'm just going to move on. And, you know, maybe he'll change from that, but if he doesn't, she is uh, asked to move on. Well, Keith, it's interesting you say that, because at the time I wrote the book, Jason and Davina were still together, but and and you you had no way of knowing this. They they have since uh, divorced, and uh, Jason has found a new partner who uh, he's going to marry very soon. Uh, so they, she she did go on. You know that is so such good news to my heart. Thank you. That's great news. They, she did the right thing for herself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I the, bet that was a hard decision for her. I'm sure it was. You know, I, I, I don't have the details on how that came about because, uh, you know, that, that was long after I yeah. interviewed Jason for the book. But I, I know that they, they have gone their separate ways. So he wouldn't grow up, and that's the why, reason she left. And I'm very proud of her. I'm just touched in my heart. You know, I, I'm so grateful. I mean, when I tune in, I get pretty close to these people. So Jaron's the oldest son, Jaron. 
And he's a take-over-in-charge kind of guy. He's like more like the father, and the father's more like the son. And when I look at him, um, I see that he's uh, his past life shows right up. He was a writer. I see him on one of those old typewriter machines. And then there's a little black umbrella around it. I don't quite know what that means. There's uh, typing going on. I see him very industrious. Uh, he's more mature and resourceful, and, and he overly takes care of things. Um, so he gets a father incapacitated too soon and misses part of his childhood because his imbalanced soul pattern of taking over, taking charge, and not letting things go. So he earned himself uh, uh, the situation where he doesn't get the father. And if he missed his childhood uh, strong enough, maybe next time around he'll sort of program in that he gets a full childhood. Now Garrett, which they call Fox, the younger son, he's attached to Jaron, so much uh, uh, that he'll go through what Jaron goes through and just stays attached to him. So he's too attached to Jaron. So that's that's my read on those people. Maybe it'll help you out there in the audience. What do you think, Rob? Well, I think what you said about Davina was very interesting. You know, the, the point that I, I like to make about Jason's story is that uh, we talked earlier in the show about uh, people redefining themselves and moving beyond uh, thinking of themselves as the personality in the body and thinking of themselves as soul. Well, it, it seems to me that, that when Jason had that uh, seemingly tragic accident that day and dove into the swimming pool, hit his head on the bottom and woke up a quadriplegic in the hospital the next day, at that point he has a, a big, big decision to make, and it seems to me he can go in one of two fundamentally different directions. He can continue to define himself as the personality and as the body, perhaps even choosing to believe that when his body dies, he dies. Now, if that's the choice that Jason makes, then he's looking at, it seems to me, decades of abject suffering followed by, in that belief system, non-existence. Not a very happy picture. Yeah. The, the fundamentally different choice, and in my view the accurate choice, is for him to redefine himself as soul, for him to say, I am not this crippled body. Yes, it's a role I play in this lifetime, but it's not who I really am. Who I really am is a holy, eternal, courageous soul. And if he's able to make that kind of a shift in self-identity, then the suffering is greatly, greatly reduced. There's still going to be a great deal of suffering for him and his loved ones. There's not really any getting around that. Yep. But that's a fundamentally different and fundamentally better quality of life, I think. Sure. You know, just realizing that we are eternal beings in a... Um, a finite body and finite system, but we are eternal, is completely freeing about thinking about death or anything. It's not so daunting. It's like, well, this is simply part of the process of life. You know, I remember Barbara Walters years ago, she'd had an interview with uh, Christopher Reeve after his accident, and he made the comment to her that he was not uh, his body, and she went to... Well, see, he's his mind because, of course, that's where she lives is in her brain. And I thought it was interesting because my interpretation when he said that he is not his body is that he is his soul and, you know, not to be limited either. And I thought it was maybe he was referring to his soul rather than his intellect. Well, I, I would agree with you. And 
talk about an interesting pre-birth plan. You you can't tell me it's a coincidence that the actor who plays Superman then goes on to have that kind of an accident. Yeah. And and then he does a super performance of uh, handling it. You know, I heard that he woke up every morning, virtually every morning, and cried for about 20 minutes got over it, and then uh, tried to make something positive happen out of it. Now yep. that, to me, is a Superman. Yeah, and I don't know if he did that forever, but he at least did it for a couple of years. Right. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Uh, check out our website, MasteringOurselves.com. We've got a free spiritual quiz plus uh, uh, Steps to Enlightenment and the Wisdom Toning series available. Our guest today, Robert Schwartz, author of Courageous Souls, and we will finish up after the break. Stay with us. <laughs> 